Sif Pop Podcast is recorded in front of a live audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks. Sometimes we just wish there really was more than meets the eye. It's Sif Pop. You turned blue on that one. Yeah, held that one out a little long. Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live on Mixler every Friday afternoon or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Prime. I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com. I'm joined by Andrew Ormsby from Flick Freaks. Ahoy! And every week we'll be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And a big welcome, joining us as the head of development from Collider and co-founder of Schmozno. It's Christian Harlow. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. No, thanks for being on, man. We're excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about what's kind of going on over there in your neck of the internet woods. Well, look, we got a lot of stuff going on as far as Collider video goes. Um, I mean, every day we have um, Collider Movie Talk, which is essentially our sports center for movies, if you will. Um, not, uh, excuse me, 10 a.m. PST every day. We do about a 45-minute show covering everything happening in the world of movie news. We've got shows ranging. John Schnepp has a show called Collider Heroes, which is all about comic book movie news and and not just comic book movies, but comic books in general. Then I host a show for Star Wars called uh, Collider Jedi Council. We have TV talk. We have a full network going on over here at Collider Video. And my baby, my, uh, my, my jewel, if you will, is the movie trivia Schmodown. And that's every uh, Tuesday and Friday, which is a movie trivia contest but it's it's a lot more it's like a full-fledged show it's it's uh, trivia entertainment if you want to rip up something from the wwe and it's uh, <laughs> it's a matter of you know storylines and factions and rankings and champions and challengers and it's it's been a lot of fun it's brilliant i absolutely adore schmodown it's great thank you so thank what you. what, what yeah. happens on a, a like a typical episode like what what can somebody be in store for who hasn't seen it well, I mean, I think what you what you'll get in Schmodown, we have we have three different leagues um, in Schmodown, and the, the the first is the team leagues, and you'll have you can have a team from the Screen Junkies or um, you know the guys over at Double Toasted or IGN or Rotten Tomatoes, and and just there there are so many teams and personalities that compete, and they they go up for the rankings, and you'll uh, our our current champions right now are the Patriots, and that's um, Jeff Snyder, who is a writer over at um, the Tracking Board, and then uh, Little Evil JT. Who's one of the engineers over at Screen Junkies, and they are probably the top villains in the league. <laughs> and they they talk smack, they get booed when they come out. They they really pl- they play the role. They they they're part of the, their faction is called the Lions Den, and it's it's a, it's a lot of fun. They're they're really good. They are they are five and zero. Oh. They have never lost. They uh, they're defending their titles on July fourth against John Roca, the outlaw, who's kind of like our Stone Cold Steve Austin. If you will, um, and uh, he's former, yeah, for, exactly, former champion. So I wrote for the WWE, um, and I kind of took that that experience and the things that I d- did over there, and my love for um, for the UFC, and I kind of combined it, um, and I took pages out of Vince McMahon's and and Dana White's. Um, books and I've incorporated it to movie trivia. People always say though it's funny because when you first hear about it, you're like, "Well, movie trivia combined with WWE—that's got to sound dopey." And then you watch it, and I, my favorite comment is, "I can't believe how invested I am in movie trivia." Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I love it. I think it's such a great idea. Although I do have to take issue with something you said. There's no way you wrote uh, for the World Wrestling 
uh, people because that's all real, man. Like uh, yeah. people, people don't write that stuff. That that actually <laughs> happens. Right. So you're absolutely correct. Okay, you're good. Right. <laughs> I just wanted to correct the record on that one. It is absolutely wonderful to have you here. Um, I'm very excited about the stuff you guys are doing. It's so much fun. I love combining our love for pop culture, you know, with that kind of with all sorts of different kinds of entertainment, right? There's room for so many yeah. different ways to experience this thing that we love. I myself personally, like I know some movie trivia, but I'm more of one of like those thinker pop culture guys that likes to dig into whatever's in front of me and really process it. And so when it gets mm-hmm. into the trivia, sometimes I, you know, like my mind will fail me on something like really simple. And then if it's in the area of like Hitchcock or Pixar, like I can, you know, get all the minute detail, but. That's the trick. I mean, and that happens to a lot of our competitors. I think that sometimes, I mean, take, for example, we just had a, we, for our first time this past Tuesday, we actually, they, so what the fans have been doing is they've been reacting to the videos and they, they, to the matches. And I've, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of them. And, and I, there was this one particular channel that calls themselves Late to the Party. And I was watching them and they were answering questions. They were really good. So I invited them. To, um, to play, and they did, and they competed up against this team, Team Action, which are these, again, two villains that they, they played, but the, what, what Team Action has done the last two matches, they've gotten very lucky, and they've landed on action-adventure movies, and they've won, so, but that's what they're trying to land on, so as you're saying, there's certain categories that you're trying to get, ah. and how you, perform on, on, you try to perform under the lights, that's one way. The other thing is we have a, an inner geekdom league, which is, it just covers... Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Star Trek, Marvel, DC, Harry Potter. It's, and, and we've got, um, you know, our reigning champion is Hector Navarro from Geek and Sundry. He's defending his title on July 7th against Jeremy Johns, who's a very big uh, YouTuber and, and a guy over here that he, he's on Movie Talk. And that's kind of what, what I'm very proud of is on July 7th, we have this Collider Collision that's coming up. That's oh, going to be great. That sounds like a lot of fun, man. Are you thinking about like yeah. even expanding it further, like looking at deals with you know like TV networks, those kind of things? Because something like this could really take off like that. I think that's. I mean, that's always the goal, right? I mean, I think that what would be awesome for it is I. I never. What I, my if I could have it my way, what I would love to do is have it on YouTube, kind of the way it is, and and the fans are. Um, see, I think a lot of a lot of places and networks go to like these paywalls and stuff, and I think that it's just such a hard thing to do. When you know you can get a majority of so much content for free on YouTube, so what I would love and what I would hope is to keep it on YouTube for a while, and if I want to do for as long as I can, and then if I want to do like a big match, let's say I get uh, another, I don't know, Dan Merle versus John Roca again, um, and they are going to compete in like this big event that it streams on like Netflix or something or, or Hulu. And it's essentially yeah. your, your pay. Your, it, that's where the one, the one event would take place. So if you have that service itself, then you would, you would get it. And it's just, it would, you know what I mean? Like that, that would be my, that would be my pay-per-view is already something that you already have like a streaming service. That would be amazing for me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Totally with you there. Well, we're going to have a blast today, Christian. Again, we're glad that you're here with us. Uh, we are going to talk about Transformers 5. We're going to do best ever robot movies. Of course, we'll have a, a Sift Quest and some Buried Treasure at the end. But we like to kick it off with what's going on in the entertainment universe. Uh, Andrew, hit us with some Do We Care. Every single week, I scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world. I pick three topics, and then we as a group decide whether we care to discuss it further or not. Topic number one. Daniel Day-Lewis has drank his last milkshake as the greatest actor of all time has announced he is going to be retiring from acting. He has one more film to be released next year, a final collaboration with Paul Thomas Anderson. Do we care, ladies and gentlemen? Absolutely care about that. Um, Christian? 
Yeah, I, of course, I care about it. I, I don't, I don't know if it's going to stick, but, um, <laughs> but as far you know, but as far as you know, one of the greats stepping down. It's the same. You know, you lose uh, Gene Hackman, you lose Sean Connery, and mm-hmm. Daniel Day Lewis. I think is a little too young to do it, um, but we'll see. He's done it before too, right? Didn't he step away and like became a cobbler or something for a while? And right after he did uh, Gangs of New York, yeah, he became yeah. a shoe cobbler. Wait, I thought he came he out did, of retirement but... for Gangs of New York. Is that what it was? Uh, I couldn't. Well, I can't remember. But I don't know if he ever actually did. He actually call it retirement, or did he just say he was stepping back for a bit? I just think that sometimes people just rush out too fast to say that they're retiring. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, Tarantino yeah. says he's going to retire. I just don't know. The only thing with Daniel Day Lewis that makes sense is that. It changes. He's he's one of these actors that it changes his life when he when he does a role. I mean, right. for, you gotta imagine his, You gotta imagine how stressful it is for his wife. She was living with Abe Lincoln for like a year. <laughs> and a half, you know what I mean? So it's, it's like that. So I mean, that's and that's how it goes for that guy. That's why he's as good as he is. But that's mental. Your mental health would probably take an effect. I'm not even kidding about that because it's like you. He, he that's the kind of actor he is so maybe he needs a big break there's a reason mary todd went crazy is yeah. what you're saying yeah well, yes <laughs> to be fair i'd rather live with a blinken than build a butcher or doing a plane <laughs> right. view, so <laughs> absolutely absolutely uh yeah i think i he's gonna be supremely missed if it is for real uh mm-hmm. I, I i like you don't necessarily trust a lot of this stuff i think I, it was just a few years ago soderbergh was talking about never making a movie again and he's kind of gone back on that a little bit uh, and so, right. yeah, I just think for creative people, especially, it's different when you're an athlete, right? You can say you retire and then you just actually don't have the chops to get back on the court or whatever. Yeah. Whereas with somebody who's creative, uh, creativity lasts a lot deeper into life. So if you get a spark, if you get an idea, you know, somewhere in your 50s or 60s or wherever, you know, you're going to want to bring it to life. So, yeah, I don't know that I, f- I fully believe it, but man, he, he is w- one of the best, if not the best. Yeah, I just never understand the announcement for it. Because yeah, it's like you look at like some, someone like Rick Moranis, right? He never announced that he was retiring. He just kind of stepped back, and then you ask, "Well, where the heck is Rick Moranis?" Um, I think that it's, it's. I don't think you need to announce it because then if you don't do it, it's like ah, he wasn't serious. But if yeah. he takes a break, you're like, "Wow, we haven't seen Daniel Day Lewis for a long time. Maybe he's just not." It's not. It's. It's not like he's stepping down from public office or something you know he's, like, yeah. he's, he's he, and, and i'm not discrediting acting i'm just saying that in general i don't necessarily think he needs to announce that he's retiring step back take your time if it is your last time then do it but if uh but i i just happen to think he's just too good and it's in his blood he's going to come back for something i totally agree yeah i think so too and and it's also one of you know maybe what he's doing maybe there's an element of leave me alone to it because with somebody like maybe. him i'm sure he gets so much from you know directors writers contact maybe this is a way for him to cut that off and just say look i'm not doing stuff right now so you know quit knocking down my my door or my email inbox and do you guys think that's more on him or do you think it's his publicist who's making this announcement like you have to say this now Uh, i I don't think you ever for sure know but i i would assume it comes from him i'm and then his publicist is figuring out you know the best way to to do it but yeah no that's a great point that's a great point i think that it, it could be the fact that it's like hey we'll let don't call us we'll call you exactly uh are we ready to move on to yeah number what's two? number two much news has arisen from the upcoming venom film a lot of it murky as whether or not this is going to be part of the mcu or not also it's been announced that the film will likely be rated r as it's been revealed that the villain for the film is going to be carnage um, that's a lot of stuff to talk about. I do yeah. definitely care about parts of that for sure. Christian? Probably the MCU part. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I care for sure because I think that it's 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 a risky move for Sony. I understand why they're doing it. You know, they're following the trend of Deadpool and Logan by doing their rated R version now, and people certainly are are asking for it. And I think that whether or not Amy Pascal was supposed to talk about it being part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is irrelevant because if it is, it it, it ties in a, a greater element to this thing that we're already invested in. So I definitely care about it. Yeah. I think it will be the if it is rated R and it is part of the MCU. Mm-hmm. It is the first, right? The yeah. first rated R MCU movie. So that could be interesting. I will, yeah. I will say this. Uh, I don't. You talk about you know not being news when people retire, like just retire. That's, I feel the same with ratings. Um, just you know, tell your story and then get get whatever rating you're going to get. Like I, I'm tired of the you know. Oh, we're going to make a rated R movie. Why don't you just tell a good story? And then if if you need some of that deeper content, you know, to do that, then you know, go ahead and get a rate, you know, an R rating. But it's just it's weird that that's you know what people aim for. Well, I think it gives. Well, it's more of a publicity tool now, right? It's exactly. More of, it's, it, it, yeah, it's more of a publicity tool, and it's also it's certainly more of a uh, look. Look what Deadpool and Logan did, and we're going to do the same thing. And it's you know, there, there's part there's part of that just that goes into your point you're talking about. Just do it. But there's also that part is hey, we're gonna we're taking this thing a little edgy. We've learned from some mistakes, and we're going to try to do something a little different here and we've got tom hardy who we've seen in the past can you know pull off that kind of brutal um the, the violence in the movies every movie he's in i feel it's rated r for the most part i mean you look at uh <laughs> you look at mad max i mean not not dark knight rises but you know what i mean you, he, yeah. you associate him with that kind of more risque um material i also think that there's a bit of uh, fan service element to this as well because if you look at a character like venom and especially a character like carnage they're known for their violent brutality. And if you have fans who know these characters so well and you say, oh, we're going to make it PG-13, to the fans, it's like, well, then you're not doing the character justice right, for the yeah. character no, we I know. To- I totally agree, and that's why you couldn't really have made a PG-13 Deadpool. You know, you, yeah. you can't really make that character PG-13. And really, honestly, you, you know, Wolverine should have always been an R-rated character with oh, as violent as he is. Here's my, my problem is when you do that sometimes, and I think Wolverine, act, or I should say Logan, actually suffers from this. I, I think you take a look at your rating and you go, okay, now we have to do this other stuff. Better have a topless scene. Better have this many F-bombs. You know, it's like, no, just tell the story. You know, just because the character's violent. Now, with Deadpool, obviously that is part of it, but I don't know that it had to be necessarily part of it with Logan. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Yeah. Number three? Yeah, what's number three? Final one for the week, ladies and gentlemen. Chris Miller and Phil Lord were the directors of the upcoming young Han Solo film, but even though a large portion of the film has already been filmed, uh, they've uh, been removed from the project and replaced by Ron Howard. Yeah, and that Ron Howard news is pretty recent, right? In the last couple days. I know he was always kind of at the head of it, but it's official now, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, as yep. of yesterday, it's official. Ron Howard will be directing mm-hmm. the new Han Solo movie. Um, I always take a. I, I do. I should say I do care absolutely about this, yeah. uh, even more than the other two, probably. Christian, guys, this is a this is a mess of a story, and there's <laughs> even more information that came out last night because I, I talked about this in depth on Collider Jedi Council, and my opinion on the way. I mean, I talked about this and for a while, and, and then this article, this new article came out, and my opinion changed dramatically. The new details of this story are that when Lord Miller started doing their film, um, pe- the people over at uh, Lucasfilm were happy with what they saw so far, and it was and there were certain things that they looked like they were hitting the tone and, and sticking to the script that Kasdan wrote. And then as they put together a full a full combined um, version of this, then they started to realize that there was there were some issues, there's some problems with tone, and what we're also finding out is that Alden Arnreich was the first one to actually 
talked to um, Kathleen Kennedy and Kasdan that something was wrong with the way the directors were approaching the character because the reports are that they were that they were comparing what they were doing to Ace Ventura. That is a bad oh. bad sign. <laughs> Now, at, wow. yeah, when, when, when they first came out, it's like, oh, maybe the, the, the vision that they were looking at, I mean, what do you expect when you get Lord and Miller? Maybe they were hoping to get the Russo brothers, but there's a difference between adding a certain sense of humor and then just flipping Star Wars on its head and giving us another Christmas special. Yeah. So, so I think that, you know, um, this is, this, at first I was like, well, let's see. It kind of sounds like, you know, they, they both kind of made mistakes. I think it's a lot easier to get on the side of Kathleen Kennedy and Kasdan here and going, these guys just didn't, um, didn't understand uh, what they wanted to do. They were going off script. They were improving. Yeah, there's, there's, this, their studio is not completely full of uh, – not. Of, they should be blamed also to where they, they could have learned this a little earlier in the process. That, that's very true. But, um, yeah, I think they have every right to want to try to replace – him with Ron Howard. I think, with Ron Howard. I think we're seeing a shift, too, in the power structure of making films. Uh, I think we... Uh, the first place I noticed this was, was Pixar. Directors were important with Pixar, but there was a team and an overall studio thing that would take control of those movies. And Pixar's, you know, pulled movies off the shelf because they didn't think the director was producing, you know, the movie that would fit kind of who they are. Now you're seeing this with Marvel. You're seeing it with, you know, Star Wars. By the way, all three of those are Disney properties. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're seeing this with Disney, I should say, uh, is, is that they have a, a greater control, whereas we've always thought it's the director as having the control. Like the director is in charge of the tone of the movie, what it's going to be. And anymore, especially with these big, you know, universe properties, I think we're seeing that. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I, you know, I think you, if you're trying to get consistency and that kind of stuff, I think you kind of have to deal with that. So I think it's just kind of a shift, especially in those bigger projects from who's in control. Yeah, there's so many things that I'm curious about with this story. Like, are they going to be using any of the footage that uh, Lord Miller filmed? And if so, does that mean that they still get a directorial credit when the movie comes out? Well, I think they're going to have to. I mean, it's for, especially with DGA rules. And I think that this is very similar. This is very similar to what happened with Gareth Edwards in Rogue One. Now, whatever, how, we don't know how much exactly was reshot for Rogue One, but we, we heard that, you know, uh, Tony Gilroy came in and made a lot of changes. What the reports are, they're very similar to what happened here, except the difference is in where Gareth Edwards, Gareth Edwards said to them, yeah, okay, bring Tony Gilroy in. Let's, let's work together. Let's make this thing work. Lord Miller said, no, we're going to do reshoots the way we want to do them and make our movie or we're going to leave. And that's what happened from all reports, uh, if you believe all the reports that are coming out right now. Yeah, and that, that is a, a great example. Uh, people have also brought in uh, Edgar Wright and Ant-Man as another example of you know a yeah. time where something like this happened. And by the way, I really enjoyed Ant-Man. So you know, I, I, I get how people want to stand up for a creative vision, but at the same time, you know, it's, it goes beyond just that one person, or in this case, those two it's, people. It's true, but Ant-Man's a little bit of a different situation because when Edgar Wright was brought on to Ant-Man or started getting attached to Ant-Man, it was like early 2006, and it was before the MCU was the MCU, and then he always kind of had his hands in the Ant-Man thing, and then, then they started developing a little bit more, and he, he's always kind of had a, a certain vision that was around before the MCU was the MCU, so when, when the, the split was a little different. These, were, these are guys that were trying to change the – again, if reports are true. These are guys that are potentially trying to change who the character Character was of Han Solo, and that's not that's dangerous for a lot of different people. It's not just dangerous for the brand of Star Wars, it's uh, and and for the fans, but it put the actor in risk. It put Kathleen Kennedy's job at risk because the fans. Because you imagine if there was an Ace Ventura type 
Han Solo movie? Like, whose head is going to roll for that? It's going to be Kathleen Kennedy, and it's going to be this poor kid who's leading the charge. Yeah, and, and, if, and if that is true, what the reports that you're reporting about um, Alden being the one who came to them first, uh, then that immediately puts me more on that side to say, you know, yeah, something was going on, and it just yeah. there was not a cohesive uh, purpose. There wasn't a cohesive, you know, passion for what the material could be. So, um, I I think we haven't talked about Ron Howard at all. I think that's a great choice. Uh, I think he's he's very stable. He has plenty of experience to be able to you know come in and make sure the movie is is great. He has made some of my favorite movies of all time, uh, yeah. Apollo thirteen being one of them. Uh, so yeah, I I think he he should do just fine. Just thinking about Ron Howard making a Star Wars film, right? Sounds very kind of blows your mind a little bit, right? Yeah. I just wonder if he's really. If it, I think it's more collaborative, to be honest, because one of the things that Lawrence Kasdan was rumored to be taking over this thing and, and was going to direct it, but because of the rules of the DGA, what because he's worked on it, and he was a writer on the film, he he wasn't able to. He's not allowed to. So um, I, uh, I I think that it's probably a collaborative ap- effort. Yeah, between him, Ron Howard, and Kathleen Kennedy to, to take care of this thing. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think that's absolutely right. I, you know what? I'm excited for it, no matter what. Uh, exactly. I, I am loving this new era of Star Wars. Uh, the idea that we get a new Star Wars movie every year. I will continue to say this for as long as I live. Uh, I just the, the kid in me just can't believe that's the true world I live in. Uh, that's just a lot of fun. So I'm excited. That's going to wrap it up for Do We Care, gentlemen. All right, on to some talk about Transformers: The Last Night. <laughs> That is an alien dinosaur! Hey, where are the keys? I'm just gonna hotwire this bitch! You are needed, sir. Urgently. You want to know, don't you? Why they keep coming here? So is this a kidnapping or her first Transformer experience? It's both, really. Transformers, the last night. Humans are at war with the Transformers, and Optimus Prime is gone. The key to saving the future lies buried in the secrets of the past and the hidden history of Transformers on Earth. Now it's up to the unlikely alliance, is it unlikely, of Cade Yeager, Mark Wahlberg, Bumblebee, an English lord played by Anthony Hopkins, and an Oxford professor played by Laura Haddock to save the world. Let's start here, guys. Like it, love it, it was okay, dislike it, or hated it. I'll start, I hated it. Andrew, yeah. what about you? I feel bad saying I hated this movie because I feel like I'm making fun of a dim-witted child. But yeah, <laughs> I hated this movie. Christian, what about you? It stinks. I hated it. <laughs> here's Were my, we surprised? No, nobody's surprised. Here's, here's the thing about it. At this point, I really... Because in my opinion, this may be the worst of the bunch. Uh, and and I think Michael Bay may be trolling us now. Like I really feel like he has like gone the extra mile... To annoy the things that, you know, annoy people who study film and story and those kind of things seriously. Because this was like a whole nother level of of bad in that way. Am I wrong about that? No, actually, it's kind of insulting in a way that he thinks we're that stupid if he's not trolling us. <laughs> so Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get into some specifics. Uh, we like to start with pros. Does anybody have any? Some positive things to say I wrote about down, the last night. I wrote down things, the nicest things i could possibly think of to say about this movie they're still negatives but compared <laughs> to the actual cons i have they're they're way nicer so no don't technically so grading on pl- a curve these are nice things <laughs> yeah exactly i do i got some i got some nice things for it i think that it's it's the same old stuff you say about michael bay the guy knows how to shoot action now granted most of the action just blends into itself and it just becomes 
numbing down down the line as you're watching it, but it's good. It's well shot action. The other stuff is that same thing was happened since the first one. The Transformers themselves look fantastic. They look really good. Um, I would say that the, hearing the voice of Frank Welker back again as Megatron, even though it was wasted, was still a nice thing to to see. I think that the opening of the film, when they had the, the, the medieval stuff, I was like, okay, wait a minute. We can actually get into some things here. And then they show the stupid Merlin cracking jokes, and it just goes downhill. <laughs> and I think that that's one of the biggest problems with, with the movie is the fact that – and Michael Bay, whoever told him – ever in his life that he was a funny person or knows funny they should be locked away in prison um because like he's not funny he's yeah. just he's not a funny guy he doesn't know how to shoot comedy and he shouldn't even try because every time it's such juvenile garbage that just doesn't land i mean he did something that no one has ever done he made anthony hopkins annoying <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's true i i feel like somewhere he got locked into uh, probably somewhere around fifth sixth grade he got locked into kind of a that's what she said mentality and his friends thought it was yeah. the most hilarious thing in the world and that's just kind of where he's lived since then and he's just never outgrown it no i blame kinka usher for casting him in mystery men and i guarantee you on that <laughs> set he goes hey that scene was funny and then ever since then michael bay thought he was funny because he had one line in mystery men Oh man, yeah. I yeah, it's just there's just so much wrong with it. It's just like it's it's the fact that it's like that movie doesn't need to be two and a half hours. It should be it should be one one fifty. The the robots aren't even really again. Optimus Prime's in the movie for maybe fifteen minutes. Um, it's Mark Wahlberg just gives up halfway through it because he doesn't. <laughs> True. He, he, he in the beginning of it, he's like okay, there there's something to be said about his character. It should have been and I, and forgive me, I don't remember the girl's name. The the one she kind of looks like uh, Angelina Jolie, and I think that the story story should have been between those two if you want to throw anthony hopkins in there that's the story i love gerard carmichael you don't need him unnecessary the story with the kids was was even in, it wasn't even developed it was unnecessary they're thrown together it was just it was just a big glop of crap yeah yeah and so many so many things and we'll get more detailed i'm sure in spoilers uh when we talk about spoilers for the movie after the pod but um i i will say this i hesitate to uh confront you on the very few you know pro things that we're going to say but the two pros that you actually said are things I kind of disagree with a little bit. Uh, I think okay. Bay, Bay understands spectacle. I don't know that he understands action. Shaky there, cams. There's a lot of quick cut shaky cam stuff, and not only that, geography. He doesn't necessarily get how you know for me to understand you know where people are, what they're coming from, what their objectives are. You know, like the idea of the energy of an action scene has a lot to do with momentum sometimes. And I don't know that he gives us enough information to really feel that progressive momentum that I want to feel during an action scene. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to disagree with you as far as his storytelling techniques during the action scenes. Yeah. I, I think that as far as like the choreography and, and the way that he just certainly sets up certain shots through, you know, if there was someone else, if he was just shooting things blowing up. And the way that they actually particularly look with the uh, choreography of, say, where, where the robots are supposed to go. and Because I actually think that this one you are able to your eye can actually go to who which one of the robots is actually fighting better than you have in the past but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and have a a, a debate over it because i i tend to agree with you that he doesn't there's like i said after a while it's just like who cares i just feel like i'm saying seeing the same action scene over and over and over again because there's no there's no emotion in it i don't care who's fighting anymore because i'm not invested yeah totally i the other thing about the robot design i think i agree with you in the fact that they are beautiful to look at uh, I have yeah. a, a philosophical problem with how he decided to approach the Transformers in that basically they are robots, then they're a million pointy shiny objects, and then they're cars. Like, there's no real 
like authenticity right. to the transforming in my mind, and I think that yeah. was a cheat, and so philosophically that always annoys me. But they do look gorgeous. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think that's – and again, I agree with you in the fact that, look, I was a big Transformers fan growing up. Like the 87 film is uh, is one of the best. It's fantastic, and it, it, that movie has more emotion in an hour and 25 minutes than the entire Michael Bay franchise has. It's, <laughs> um, it's, it's really well done, and it makes you care about – these aliens is what they are. They're not really. They're not cars. They're 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 aliens, and it and the focus should have been on them because you could have done. Because I don't want to hear about too expensive. People are like, well, it'd be too expensive to to just focus on robots. Planet of the Apes uh, does it. They're going to do it again in War of the Planet of the Apes. So there, there's ways to do it to where it's just focused on non-humans and really make you invested. And you could have done it for an hour and forty five minutes and made a good film. He needs to go. He needs to leave the franchise. And I think that the problem is it's going to it's it's been so sullied right now that by the time you get to a new director doing it um it, it, like like bumblebee's coming up and that pre pre movie who knows that what that thing's going to be like it's a new director maybe there'll be a new feel to it we'll see yeah well, uh, transformers universe needs their wonder woman we just need that you know that one film to turn it around right that's right um my pro the only one i would say and this is really the first one of the transformers movies that did this for me I actually did get to a so bad it's good moment uh, in this movie. It was like one of those like really awful days that you have, and then like one final thing goes wrong, and you just can't help but laugh. Oh, um, where you startled me in the theater? <laughs> yeah, towards the end, I know yeah. I laughed out loud, uh, like uh, guffawed. I just I finally gave in to a moment where I was like. This is so ridiculous. I'm actually having kind of a good time. Uh, and it was just because... And again, I don't think that's the intention. I'm just saying this is the first time during the Transformers movies I actually had a few so bad it's good moments where I was like, I'm actually kind of glad I saw this because, you know, there is an entertainment to how bad it is. You MST 3 too long it. for me. No, that's a great point, Christian. I, I totally agree. Uh, it's yeah. So bad it's good. Should keep it under 90 minutes. Uh, yeah. yep. I was impressed by the fact they took a National Treasure script and made it worse. <laughs> I think that's as close to a pro as I can get for this movie. Think about <laughs> nice. it. This is a really bad National Treasure, and that's I know that's redundant, but... Uh-huh. Just kind of just because of the artifact, archaeological aspect of it. We gotta go it. here, we yeah. gotta go here, and then yeah. here we gotta solve this little riddle. Uh yeah. Except for you never know where you are, who you're with, or what their purpose yeah. is and yeah, why they're going there. That's the difference. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I, think, uh, I think that you know, National Treasure is to, uh, to have a little callback here as a Godfather 2 compared to, to this movie. Because it's like you have you, – because at least in National Treasure and National Treasure 2, there's clear agenda and there, it's part of the actual storyline. This stuff – you didn't even need the medieval stuff. You really didn't. You could have – I know that a lot of it, it kind of – yes, it pertains to what's going on. But it was – it was really unnecessary, and the scene, the scene that they throw in there with the Nazis was clearly just to set up the prequel. And it's like yeah. there was all this stuff there that was just such a waste. It's like just tell me a story, tell me a good story, and let me invest in a couple of characters here, and then let's be done with this or give it to someone else. Oh, the the whole part at the beginning of the movie with the medieval thing—that's just like, hey, we need to get Stanley Tucci back into this series somehow. Right. And oh, stupid. Why? Well, in Torturo. Uh, yeah. like, I mean, oh. why, why was he even in the movie? Like, oh, I, man. just, I mean, just mindless stuff. And, you know, again, there's, there's some real stuff I want to say, especially as we, you know, kind of go into negatives. Uh, I have so many examples and I won't give them here. I'll, I'll give them in spoilers, but of, of the times where things happen in the movie and there's no explanation for them or why they're important that they actually happen. And it, it's just one of those things where you, you are just grasping for something to root for 
or to understand why. And in when you're trying to tell a story, you just can't have those moments. Uh, you know, you hear people say, because movie, like when something isn't explained. This movie could have been because movie, the movie. Like, it was just, right. everything was completely unexplained. Uh, my big negative for this movie is that there are multiple villains in this film. None of them are flushed out. Why is Quintessa evil? Why is the one guy from the TRF so angry? Why? How it, does Megatron even play yeah, in? Yeah, yeah. And Megatron, why is he even here? Yeah. It's... It's a lack of care. We remember they did this whole thing like a year and a half ago. They're like, oh, we're going to change it all up. And Stephen Denight's coming in. We're doing this big like writer's room thing. It's like, what did they write? Because it, it was, and if they wrote anything, I bet you Michael Bay just threw it out and added his jokes. Because this seemed like every other one of the movies that he's ever done. Like, it's just like he gives a, he, he tries his hand at comedy. And if you look at it, there's probably 45 minutes of comedy in this movie, if not more, that should just be eliminated for anything he tries to do. Yeah, and, and his comedy, again, is basically just telling Anthony Hopkins to say dirty things. That's like his version of, yep. you know, use this word this time. People will think it's hilarious. I want to meet the silver-tongued devil who convinced Anthony Hopkins this was a good career Because <laughs> that guy well, can convince... Well, he's Teflon. Yeah. <laughs> he's Teflon. Anthony Hopkins, he's, he's, he's got the same Teflon-type stuff that De Niro has. You could literally, if I told you that I was going to put Gary Busey, Paulie Shore, and a speaker leading a movie with Anthony Hopkins, like he could do that movie, and it would not hurt his career. It's Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and go cash that check and not have to worry about it. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, any other negatives we want to hit before we uh, move on to our one last thing? No, yeah. I'm good. All right, let's, uh, if you guys have one last thing, Andrew, you got one last thing you want to say about Transformers 5? Are there no ugly people in this universe? Not in Michael Bay's universe. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hesitate saying this. I was a little even uncomfortable by how he shot the girl. Like, just there was some of the outfits he put her in, and I just, like, it, it made my skin crawl a little bit. The way he uses the camera. He's been doing that for years. The way he yeah. uses the camera with women just really annoys me. So. Yep. Yeah. What about you, Christian? You got one more thing? Um, no, I'm just, I'm just asking Paramount to please make it stop. I, I didn't do anything to you, and I will never <laughs> just leave, leave, leave me alone with this. I have to see these movies for my job, and it just makes me want to just not do anything except just sit on the couch. We get it, man. We get it. Hey, uh, uh, shout out to IMAX Laser. Yeah, that was going to be my one last thing. Yeah. Is, oh, I'm it, sorry. No, no, no. It, it often is. Uh, we got a chance to see this uh, in Laser, and we actually sat further up than we usually sit. Yeah. It was incredible. It blew my mind how clear that screen was from that close. Yeah. Like the the definition. Of course, a lot of that has to do with light bleed and those kind of things. But but yeah, we got a chance to see it in IMAX Laser in. Man, if you're going to see an awful movie, <laughs> yeah. if you're going to see any movie, uh, it's nice to at least you know be able to be in awe of the... Because the 3D just like... It the, was insane. I was surprised the closer we got, the more prominent the 3D got. Yeah, it was, it was pretty incredible. You know what I didn't realize? I didn't realize that the woman who play, who was the... Because I didn't think she was bad. Her name's Laura Haddock. Um, and yeah. it's funny because as I say that she looked like Angelina Jolie, um, I when I saw Guardians of the Galaxy and they showed Star-Lord's mom in the beginning, I was like, whoa, she looks like Angelina Jolie and it's the same woman. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mother of Star-Lord and friend to whoever Mark Wahlberg's character is in the yeah. Transformers. Right. Uh, to Alzheimer Prime. There you go. Because he has to tell you his name every five seconds. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man, every single... I am Optimus Prime. Time. Yeah. Come on, we get it, buddy. Yeah, there was at the end. Literally, he said it twice within like thirty seconds. I thought, yes. like it yes. was craziness, absolute craziness. Well, there you go. I think overall that is absolutely not a recommend from any of us, uh, unless you want to go riff it with a friend or something. And 
you know, just kind of have a so good it's bad moment. Yeah, because whenever I was younger, movies like Independence Day, the big summer blockbusters, were the things to see every single year. But now I look right. more forward to movies like Locke, where it's just a guy in a car for two hours talking on the phone about cement. And I'm, and, <laughs> that's also and I'm that's also age. Yeah, that's also age. Because oh, you, I, you know, because, yeah, I think so. I mean, for me, I feel I I agree with you one hundred percent that I remember back going to see that movie in the theater, Independence Day, and it was the big thing that everybody wanted to do. And I think those types of events still happen in the summertime. But I think that especially when you're watching movies and you're talking about movies that you get more invested when you watch a guy like Tom Hardy sitting there and having one of these performances because you're getting kind of numb to the fact that it's just this spectacle stuff that you have to see over and over and over again that you want more, especially as you get older, you want to see, you, you want a little, a little bit more depth to the things that you're watching and the characters that you're, that they're asking you to get invested in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of the best ever stuff, we're going to move on to our best ever challenge. Look at that segue. We are going into the best ever robot movies and we'll each pick our top three uh, we'll go from number three to number one. We'll go around the horn, and then we'll do some honorable mentions at the end. If you have something ranked higher than somebody who says it, all you got to do is say Trump, Trump. and uh, and we'll wait and talk about it until whoever has it at the highest ranking uh, gets to talk about it. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna start. Okay, I'm gonna say right off the bat. I'm just gonna admit this right off the bat. I just I must have a thing for animated robot movies because yeah, most of my list is animation. Well, now that you said that, I know what ones of my honorable mentions I can knock <laughs> off. My number three is Big Hero Six. Actually, yeah, um, I I loved this movie. I think I like it more than a lot of people do. It it really has among the amongst the renaissance of Disney animation. Uh, once Lasseter has kind of taken over the helm of all of Disney animation, it's one I don't think gets talked about as much as like Wreck It Ralph or Tangled or some of those. Um, but man, it hit me in so many great places. There's a lot of wish fulfillment there. There's some, you know, there's real interesting world stuff there. The idea of kind of the the combination of Asian culture with you know Northwestern culture, uh, North American culture. What was it, San Franokio or San Francisco? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's just it's really great and it's a really great story. The feelings that I had for a giant white blobby robot were real. I cried tears. And uh, had a good time. So that's my number three. All right. Me next? Sure. Well, my big robot made me cry, too. It's Terminator 2 Judgment Day. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, The first Terminator was great. I saw that one. I actually saw Terminator 2 first before I saw the first Terminator movie. But uh, because I remember as a kid being blown away by Robert Patrick's character. The T-1000 is still one of the greatest villains in cinema history. I think I listed my top five villains on Twitter on Sunday when did I did really? my rank stuff, and he was like number three or four. Was he really? Oh, yeah. man, I'd, I'd like to take a look at that list. I'll have to look it up. The way he runs, you know, and I still think that the special effects in that movie are still mind-blowing to this day. That's James Cameron, obviously, yeah. doing his thing, but that's a role that Arnold Schwarzenegger was born to play. He is a Terminator. Yeah, T2 is great. That was absolutely my honorable mentions. Uh, what do you got? What's your number three, Christian? I'm going to give some respect to the movie that I was talking about before, and that's 1986. Excuse me, uh, the Transformers movie. I yeah, think that it is a. I think it is a very. Uh, it's it's a movie that should be watched, especially if you want what the Transformers in essence was all about. I think that there's um, there's some great uh, voice talent in there. The great Orson Welles is in is is in the film. Leonard Nimoy is in the is in the film, lending voices, and it's just it it sets up um, just. 
everything that you wanted about them and what I was talking about before as far as the connection that you're going to get with these aliens. And it also it, it did something new with the series. It took risks. It was ahead of its time as far as it, it was it was catered. It was could have been just catered to a, a young audience, but it wasn't. It was a catered to an adult audience. It came out as PG. I remember them at Bumblebee cursing at one point inside of the ship, and I was I was shocked as a kid to see that. But it, it wasn't mm-hmm. just. It, it was all necessary for what was happening, what was going on. It set up a great mythology for the Transformers. Vince DiCola, who did the music for Rocky IV, did the music for this movie. There's there's so much to it, and there's the, um, and Judd Nelson did the the voice of Hot Rod, who was like the the new leader of the Transformers. There's a lot of great stuff going on in that movie, and it's it's like an hour and twenty minutes, and it's short, it's precise, and it's the best Transformers movie that's ever been made. Great choice, great choice. All right, Andrew, on to your number two. My number two, The Matrix. See, I don't... Okay, so we should talk about this, and I'm fine with this. Like, I considered uh, thinking about The Matrix, but I wouldn't call The Matrix a robot movie. It's a movie that has robots in it, but I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, that's fine. We can count it, so... I know... I I think I was a little more strict with my idea of, like, you know, robot movie kind of thing. There, You know, there are the Sentinels in this movie. Absolutely. And... and you can't really count, you know, agents as robots because they're more software than hardware. Right. But, uh, man, I, there's no way I could not put The Matrix on my list, though. I mean, the spectacle yeah. of that movie. The fight scene between Neo and Smith in the subway is one of the greatest fight scenes in cinema history. I Yeah. Especially considering uh, how much it invented about that style of, you know, cinematic. I say invented, but, you know, adapted, yeah. you know, uh, that kind of cinematic style. So it just, was the first yeah, time a big make, portion of the audience had seen that. Yeah, I can make an argument that the Matrix movie is a is a robot film because, you know, we, we take we we just look at uh, robots and we see the full statued figure of, of the robot and the mechanics. And it's it's what it's what's behind it as far as the CPU system of the the actual the overtaking of the, the machine itself is essentially it's robotic. I mean, it, it really is the 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 entire the entire Matrix is essentially it's a it's a robot with higher intelligence and it, that's i think that that's kind of you know and you look at what how they're programmed it's just a different kind of program through uh through the computer system that i think could essentially be confirmed as robotic and uh, a robot so i could see the argument made for it christian has ruled we are counting it all right and what, mm-hmm. i'm going to say one last thing about the matrix just real quick yeah go for it i wish that the wachowski sisters could capture that same magic again in a movie yeah because if you look at the first matrix movie you know, every every movie here and there has like, oh, here we go moments. It, the Matrix has many, oh, yeah. here we go. There's the Morpheus yeah. Neo fight. There's the subway fight. There's the uh, the mm-hmm. lobby shootout. There's so yeah. many it moments in The Matrix. And the way they put it all in one movie, and it's fluent all the way through. Yeah, it's, it's such a great film. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. I, I would sit in a room with you and defend Speed Racer as the other Wachowski's movie that actually has some, some you know, genius moments well, to it. We'd be sitting for a long time. I know, I, and I'll be sitting for a long time with most people <laughs> trying to have that conversation. But other than that, yeah, you're right. There's There's been a real, uh, you haven't really seen that spark that was in the Matrix, or at least the, the completion of yeah. of that. I think we skipped you on your number two. Yeah, I'm, I'm next on my number two. Or was I supposed to start? You're supposed to start. Okay, my number two is Iron Giant. All right. Um, I love this movie. Brad Bird, uh, kind of before he was doing his Pixar thing. Um, one of my favorite voice performances 
in this movie, not just Vin Diesel, who has, you know, he may just be Superman. a great voice performer. Like, that may be where he needs to go. Uh, but Harry Connick Jr., I just yeah. love his performance in this movie. Um, and all around, it's great stuff. Jennifer just, Aniston. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, another movie that really got me in the in the feels. Oh, and, hell uh, yeah. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. What about you, Christian? What's your number two? Well, if you guys want to call this not a um, robot movie, I will be okay with that because I understand the argument. But it does have it part of the title, and that's uh, 1987's RoboCop. Oh, absolutely. That's a robot movie for sure. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I think that that movie was something that Verhoeven just, you know, coming out with that film in that time period in the in the age of the action film and just really flipping it on its head and doing certain things it was hardcore it was brutal um it had a it had a great theme behind it it, it just there was so much to it that it's just uh it, it's a classic it really is i mean they, they really haven't been able to do anything since i mean the remake was a, a nightmare and, and all the sequels were pretty lame but the actual movie itself i thought was um was one of the better 80s action films and one of the better obviously robot films but i just it's it's got a lot it's got a lot working for it yeah that's a great choice that's a, it's never been one of my like you know top of the list kind of movies uh i you know i have an interesting background with movies in that i didn't really watch movies until i was in my 20s uh, and so, and so, you know, I've kind of fallen in a, a lot, uh, in love with a lot of those movies that should have been like, like when I was growing up kind of stuff in hindsight. Sure. And that's just one I've never fallen in love with in hindsight. So, um, but yeah, it's, but I get it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally understand. Yeah. All right. So on to our number ones. Yep. You're up. I think mine's pretty obvious if you know my love for Pixar, but I have wow. to go, I have to go with Wally. Uh, it is, it has, Pixar has this amazing way to tell stories, uh, just completely visually, which is one of my favorite things about them. Um, and you see it at the beginning of Wally with, you know, that, that first on earth stuff. And then you see it in the relationship with, uh, Eve and Wally. Um, I really love this movie. I don't think it, I, I have friends who feel like it falls apart towards the end. I don't feel that way because I really buy into the themes and what they're trying to do. And the human characters are a little goofy, but they don't feel inauthentic to me. Um, and it certainly is a message that I think can resonate with our culture. So, yeah, Wally is definitely my number one robot movie. I tweeted out earlier this week that I thought the I had figured out my number one pick and everything else was mm-hmm. going to be it. My number one was going to be Wally, mm-hmm. but thinking of other movies, it got pushed back into my honorable mentions. Yeah. So I thought it was going to be number one, but uh, we had a discussion earlier before we started recording whether or not you could count the, my number one as a robot movie. It has robots in it, but it's not about robots. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of my my idea was it, like a robot had to be like the central character or at least the central part of the the movie exactly so and yeah. that's why star wars is going to be my number one because it has robots and you have r2d2 and c3po and and more than that there are lots of droids in Absolutely. those movies it's not just those two but yeah um gonna pick just one star wars movie i'm gonna go with my favorite and that's empire so it's the first i mean that's a great choice i just never would have picked it as a robot movie i, t- I totally understand um but uh, yeah, yeah, this is the first movie I can think of where the good guys lose. I didn't know that you were allowed <laughs> to do that in movies. Right. So yeah, that's my number one. Well, that's the same. That's the same thing with me. I was. I was. I mean, I didn't pick it, but I was going to choose it. I mean, I, anytime I have a chance to pick Star Wars thing, but I just think that as far as a robot film, it's not the first thing I think of. I certainly, you know, as far as the droids do their own thing, and it's the same argument I was making with the Matrix. They certainly have a a system that that qualifies them to be the the robots um, that we're talking about here. But I um. 
I didn't put it in my in my top three as far as robots because when I think of Star Wars, I think more of like you know space opera, sci fi fantasy movies than I do qualified as a robot film per se. But absolutely, I, I'm yeah. never gonna n- never gonna uh, chastise someone for putting Star Wars anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> What's your number one, Christian? Uh, well, to be honest with you, the fact that you brought up Terminator Two and you didn't bring up the first one makes me very upset. The the 1984's Terminator is my favorite robot film of all time. It's champion. I don't think anything can touch it. I I actually like it. I, I really like T two, but I, I think T I think the first one is far superior. And I know that the the you know you can you can argue about the special effects alone and how um, it, it changed the game when it came out. But eighty four's Terminator and for the the budget that it had, the no name actors that it had, the fact that it switched uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger from being this beloved figure and made him a villain um, and did it in a terrifying way. It wasn't a it wasn't the sci-fi action film that the franchise has become. It was a horror film. Right. Yeah. It was a straight up small budget horror film um, dealing with this type of crazy technology that and, and, and adding this time travel element and this, this futuristic storyline. But again, it's just an ongoing theme that I'm talking about here. It's, it's, it's about emotion. It's about storytelling. It's about character. It was, it was a simple story. Terminator goes back in t- time to kill the mother of the leader of the resistance of the future. That's it. It's the pitch, and it works, and it works so well, and it showed what James Cameron was so good at doing uh, as masterful storytelling and the use of Brad Fidel's score and everything that they did in that movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, not just, not just robot movies, so I think it is, uh, it's easily the champion in, in my book. Absolutely. It certainly was in my honorable mention. Yeah. Um, you know, both Terminator and T2, I think, are, are really well done films. Um, and you're absolutely right. It's so different than what Terminator has become, uh, you mm-hmm. know, that original. What's interesting is you mentioned in the original, you know, taking a beloved figure like Arnold Schwarzenegger and making him a villain and then basically reversing that going into T2. Yep. Uh, really kind of a brilliant one two punch. Exactly. Yep. I wish yeah, that I'd that seen smart. Terminator 1 first. That way, that, that twist of him being the good guy in T2 yeah. would have been you know, more like wow factor for me. But yeah. the fact that I saw yeah. T2 first and he was already the good guy, kind of, it was a, yeah, it was a, reverse, wow, it was a reverse wow factor when he was the, <laughs> it was the villain in the first movie. Yeah. And with T1, yeah. you have the most infamous line in cinema history as well. I'll, I'll be, be back. back. Yeah, yeah it's certainly you yeah. could argue that. Uh, let's do some honorable mentions. I'll start with the chat. Uh, the chat. Isaac mentioned Ex Machina, which that I was think is going to be the next one. I a brought great, up a great choice uh, for an honorable mention. Yeah. Uh, somebody mentioned AI. Uh, they love artificial intelligence. I like iRobot. That would be another one I'd have to mention. Um, David yeah. mentions Forbidden Planet, uh, which I thought was an interesting choice. You know what I think it's a bad, what, what's getting a bad rap and not even being mentioned that I think is a really good movie that should have, by all accounts, stunk. Uh, Real Steel. Yeah, I was actually just about to get there. Somebody mentioned Real Steel in the chat. Um, I like Real Steel. It, you know, I I actually do too, and I can't tell if it's just because I, I think Hugh Jackman is so charming. Um, I just I love Real Steel. I th- I, I shouldn't say I love. Too. I really enjoy it. Um, I really enjoy it. It's, it's it's a Rocky movie. Yeah, there's, yeah. There are some movies like that, and here's another one for me. And, and actually, I do know people who who really dislike this movie. But another movie uh, in the category that, that I have fond feelings for is Pacific Rim. Um, I really enjoy that mech stuff. And I enjoy the themes of that movie, too, about cooperation and you know how two people have to control each robot. And each robot is controlled by a different type of human relationship between two people. I don't know if you've noticed that. Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting to see, like, okay, here's how a father and a daughter interact. Here's how brothers might interact. Here's how best friend. You know, like, there's a real interesting theme there about, you know, family and friends and 
in on top of the you know robot on robot action. So. After after all the hate that movie got, I realized that Pacific Rim was going to become one of my guilty pleasures. I'm <laughs> with you. I really find that movie a lot of fun. I have to mention Short Circuit. You know Johnny Five. Sure. I, it's it, from my childhood. You know, just growing up with that movie. I would also throw in the honorable mention. Uh, hasn't been mentioned. Ghost in the Shell. Um, and the I anime. Be, I would be talking about the anime. Yes, in that case, <laughs> not the remake. Um, Speaking of bad movies, uh, just to, to kind of throw that out there. And here's one that is my stretch <laughs> of the category: mm-hmm. The World's End. Um, which I they're just aliens. Think that, no, they're they're robots. But they're a robot alien. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's a little yeah. bit of a stretch, but I just wanted to give a shout out to The World's End, which I don't think, I think is an underrated film. Well, I'm so. going to stretch that even further. I'm going to go with Interstellar. Because <laughs> you have Tars. You have Tars. Sure. And uh, what's the other one's right. name? Uh, Tarzan. I can't remember. Well, you could throw Alien into this list. You know, very oh, yeah, prominent robots in, in Alien as well, if you wanted to stretch it a little bit. Did you have any honorable mentions, Christian, that you wanted to throw out there? No, I mean, I wanted to get, I just wanted to get Real Steel in there. I think Real Steel and Ex Machina were ones. I mean, if you, unless you want to throw in Tom Selleck's Runaway. <laughs> Did you ever see that one? Yeah. Uh, with Gene Simmons. It's a pretty, pretty crazy movie. <laughs> Before we move on uh, to the end of this podcast and through we get to the Sif Quest and such, I did want to throw a shout out to our patron supporters. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast network. Uh, if you support it $3 a month or more, you get your special own podcast feed where you can hear all the patron pre-shows uh, that happen before all the podcasts on this network, including this time Christian giving his list of shame. And there's some doozies on there, so you might want to check that out. Um, we appreciate all the support that comes in for the podcast network. Uh, it's why we're able to do what we do. Huge thanks to uh, Colin, who pledged uh, since last week, and to Girk, who pledged since last week. Girk actually sent me an email and said uh, that he loves the show, loves what's going on, and then challenged us to try to pronounce his name. So I'm going to give it a shot, Girk. Here we go. I'm going to say Girk Hiljimkema. Well, I don't have it in front of me, so yes. It's H-I-J-L-K-E-M-A. Hilkema. Hilkema. I think uh, the J think, is silent. I think you're right. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for your support of this podcast network. And again, if you want to check it out, it is at patreon.com slash studio DNA. All right, on to the SIFT quest. This is where you give us a, a little question or debate to solve, and we go through and do it. This one comes from Blake uh, through Twitter, uh, where you can hit me up at Aaron Dicer, A-A-R-O-N-D-I-C-E-R. You can also always email feedback at SIFPOP.com if you want to email. Blake says, what is a movie that has a horrible title but is actually really good? The example that Blake gives is Two Guns. Uh, Andrew, why don't you start us off? What's, uh, what's one that you've got? Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, or, or oh is it okay well i have a whole bunch of them so i'll <laughs> let i'll let you choose that one then tell us about edge of tomorrow because i've never i actually thought edge of tomorrow was a decent name and i didn't understand why they changed it to live die to repeat, live, die, repeat. which so, is actually worse which it, it does no one seem even knows yeah no one even knows what it was called it was i mean they they kind of they kind of changed it to live die repeat but did they officially they don't they don't really know if they did edge of tomorrow doesn't really paint what the movie's all about i mean the the original from from what it was based off it's um all you need is kill which isn't necessarily great either i just i don't think that it represented what the movie was all about i think it was confusing and i also think that that movie just as far i mean it's caught on since but i think it it needed a different title i think people weren't sure if it was an oblivion sequel there was there was nothing to that movie that movie's title that painted the actual great science fiction action film that it it ultimately is well uh then i'll choose another one and i'm gonna go with uh 
pick a Bond movie. <laughs> There's a good chance it has a bad title. Goldfinger, Octopussy, Thunderball. Uh, some of them do have good names like Casino Royale or Goldeneye, you know. You know what's a bad Bond title? Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace is a really that is a bad horrible movie. movie title. Yeah, the, 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 the Bond does not know how to make good movie <laughs> titles. Uh, well, aren't far, they based on the books? Some of them, yeah. That doesn't mean that the book titles are good either. No, that's true. That's a yeah. fair point. Uh, I have one more, but I'll let you list one, Aaron. Uh, I think the the example I hear a lot with this, and this won't be my choice, but I think it is kind of the the biggest example is Shawshank Redemption. Uh, people talk a lot about Shawshank being a movie that really suffered because of its movie title. People had no idea what it was about. Um, obviously, it's become beloved since then. But I'm going to have to go with one of my favorite underrated Coen Brothers movies that I think is horribly titled, and that's The Hudsucker Proxy. Such a weird, ugly title to what is a really fun and frivolous movie. And uh, I have a lot of fun with that movie and think it's amazing. But man, I, The Hudsucker, I love the title just because I love the movie, but it just seems like such a, a weird, ugly title to me. Yeah. Christian, do you have any other ones that you wanted to mention? Um, I mean, I was looking actually a few titles that I thought of, and I don't know if you guys remember this one, but um, Christopher Lam- Lambert was in a Tarzan film, and instead of just calling it Tarzan, it was called Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, comma, Lord of the Apes. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this, it's like just Tarzan. We, we, we'll get it. Just Tarzan. That's it. So wow. I think that, that I've never was, that seen that, but I'm, I'm just trying to imagine Christopher Lambert's thick accent being Tarzan. <laughs> Well, he doesn't really talk much in it for the majority of it. Oh, okay. The, uh, the yeah. other, one of the other ones that, that I actually read some interesting facts on was Goodwill Hunting, which is uh, a title that they've never really talked about what exactly it means, other than the, the character's name is Will Hunting. Yeah. And uh, they actually bought that title for $10,000 from another movie. Um, right. be, and then yep. named their character after that title. They didn't have a name for their character or a title for the movie. So they bought that and made that their character's name in the title of the movie. I found that really fascinating. I think I would have spent an yeah, extra... Yeah, because the first draft... I would have Sorry. spent an extra couple weeks thinking so I wouldn't have to spend $10,000 <laughs> on a character name. Right. The first draft of the, the movie wasn't even about what it ultimately became. It was like a hitman story or something. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of interesting stuff about Goodwill Hunting and kind of how it came to be and stuff. I'll have to check and see if there's like a documentary or something on it. I'd be fascinated yeah. to learn well, all that stuff. No one wants to talk about Geely? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's bad or it's bad titles for good movies is what it is. Oh, all yeah. right, all right. Well, Al Pacino <laughs> thinks it's good. Yeah. I'm going to go with one more and it's a movie filmed here based on a book. I'm going to go with Winter's Bone. Yeah. It's a really oh, good yeah. movie, but man, that's a bad title. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Yeah. The the other one I thought about is I I've never thought of it as a bad title until I really started thinking about it. The Jungle Book. Why would you title a movie The Something Book? Like, that just seems like a really, like, you know, call it Jungle Tales or something. But Woo! <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, that, that one, that one I, I can understand because the, 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 the book itself, when it, because it was, it was the Jungle Book. And I think because the reason why when they released it as a film, it was to make sure that people associated it with the actual popular book that, that, that it was based off of. So you kind of had brand recognition. So I, I, that one I don't have that much problems with. But I yeah. get what you're saying, Aaron. I do understand <laughs> What you're, where you're coming from with that, but I also see where Christian's coming no, from. No, he's so. absolutely right. The marketing makes complete sense. I'm going to play for poli- sure. I'm going to play politician here and say <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Uh, anybody else have any others before we move on? No, I'm good. All right, let's move on to our buried treasure. What's the one thing in any area of pop culture? It could be movies, television, apps, newspapers. I don't care. Just let us know that you want to make sure that people know about uh, Christian. We're going to start with you. 
Uh, is, is you guys give me a chance for a selfless plug here? Yeah, absolutely, man. Go for it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even kidding when I when I bring up the uh, the schmodown because I think what we did with uh, with I think that a lot of times with these celebrity interviews, what what you see is you know the same thing that people will be playing. Either they play a game with them or they or they interview them about the movie, and it's the same questions. And I don't think that if you necessarily look at celebrity interviews on the internet, that's why you're going there. And what we're trying to do with like our celebrity. Uh, movie trivia showdown. We had like Jonathan Reese Myers and his director on from Black Butterfly, the Power Rangers cast, and it's just a lot more fun to see them in their own element, to see them kind of playing, um, playing their person, having fun with their personalities and testing their trivia knowledge. And I just think I'd like more people to kind of learn about movies, the, new movies like like Black Butterfly, uh, through this particular game show. So that's a it's that's pop culture. I'll I'll go with the shameless plug. You got it, man. Uh, I would. Drop that plug in right with you. It's great stuff. What do you got, Andrew? So I'm going to go with a Broadway play that was filmed and put on Netflix. It's Oh Hello on Broadway. It stars Nick Kroll and John Mulaney, Steve Martin, and Matthew Broderick. I've been wanting to check that out. You saw it? I've seen it like five times. I can't stop watching it. It is so funny. I love John Mulaney. His style of comedy is right up my alley. and He's so smart. He co-wrote that with Nick Kroll, and it is brilliant oh man i i can't get enough of it it's the perfect style of humor there is a lot of humor that is centralized around new york city but not so much that you don't understand the references so i really appreciate that and uh yeah can't recommend it enough um i would also say the uh if i just caught up and i binged pretty fast uh the leftovers which was three seasons Mm. on uh, hbo which which i really enjoy but the show that i'm watching right now that i think has gotten a bad rap the the least of pilot was Showtime's I'm Dying Up Here. Um, it, it, you know, I was a, uh, I was a stand-up comedian for a very long time. I, I, my, I, my, my home was the comedy store, which is essentially where I'm Dying Up Here is, is what it's based on. It's based on a book written about those times in the 70s about stand-up comedians. It is the most true show I've ever seen that tackles stand-up comedy. And it's very inside baseball, but I think you learn a lot about the stand-up comedy world and what it was like, especially back in the uh, in the 70s. Wasn't Jim Carrey one of the creators on that show? He's, yeah, he is. He's the producer of it. I mean, and what? who better than he knows all the stories. He, he knows uh, what happened back then. He was very close with Mitzi Shore. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's a very special show. That is one that I've been curious about picking up. So you recommend... I do. I think that the first the first episode I think is is okay. I think Melissa Leo is a bit over the top, um, but I would. Uh, but as it kicks into two and three, I think it starts to find its voice and um, and it really. It, remember though, don't go into it expecting a comedy. It's not. It's a drama about stand up comedy. That's yeah. a good distinction to make because I can see people getting frustrated if they think they're going to hear jokety jokes and uh, and not, instead they see human drama. Shows, yes, show's not about that at all. So. It, it, it's stand-up comedians are, are pretty troubled people for the most part, and it's like um, there is there is a there is a sadness to them, and it's it's a job, and there's there's certain things that come come about it, and um, when you watch when you watch the way that this is the politics that were involved back in the day, things that have just happened as far as how to, how to make your mark, how how the landscape changed dramatically. There's a it's it's a really good show. Great, my buried treasure for this episode is also uh, on Netflix, but not quite yet. I think it starts uh, next week. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Okja, uh, which is uh, Bong Joon Ho's new movie that is streaming on Netflix starting next week. Got a chance to see it and really 
Really enjoyed it. Uh, it is one of those movies I think might be a little divisive. Uh, I think people will have different reactions to it. I loved the uh, I loved the effects of this creature in this movie, which is like this, you know, kind of horse or not horse, but like hippo, hippo pig, uh, dog kind of combination creature. And uh, it very much has his sensibilities with relationships and humor. And uh, I really enjoyed uh, enjoyed it all the way through. So uh, I definitely say give that a look when it starts streaming next week. And I think it could be Netflix's first, you know, real success with putting out a, you know, kind of a quote unquote first run movie uh, on their service. Because uh, I know War Machine was, you know, panned by quite a few people. We and... also have Beast of No Nation. Oh, that's right. It's yeah. the Idris Elba movie. That's right. <laughs> yeah. No, you're absolutely right. So yeah, check that out. Oakja comes out next week on Netflix. Well, there you go. We did it, guys. We did a podcast. Huzzahs. Woohoo. Thank you so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed at Mixler.com slash Studio DNA. That's M-I-X-L-R dot com slash Studio DNA. Huge thanks again to today's guru, Christian Parloff. Well done, my friend. It was an absolute blast to have you on. A few extra seconds to shout out anything you want to, man. No, I mean, same thing, guys. Just make sure you check me out over at Christian Harloff, at Christian Harloff on Twitter and Instagram. Please subscribe to um, both Schmoes No and Collider Video on YouTube. Also, big thanks, much love and gratitude to our Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the network possible. Support starts at three bucks a month, comes with some pretty fun perks. You can find out more at patreon.com slash studio DNA. And if you want to connect with us, you can certainly do that wherever you find the show. Just leave a comment there. You can also email us at feedback at sifpop. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like it, too, to make sure you let them know about the podcast and that listening is much easier than figuring out why John Turturro was even in Transformers 5. Spoiler chat for this week's movie should be up next in your podcast feed, and we will see you back next week when we do our best of the first half of 2017.